It is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023, and welcome to episode 221 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, NSI Deputy Executive Director, and today I'm joined by Lester Munson, NSI Senior Fellow, and Jamil Jaffer, NSI's Executive Director, and recent 9 out of 10 on Room Raider continues to get high marks on his patio. So today not in this room, unfortunately. <laughs> not in the not in these current rooms. Not in this today, room. we're looking at a story that originally developed last week when Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan was arrested by almost a hundred paramilitary forces on charges of corruption. The Pakistani Supreme Court subsequently declared his arrest unlawful, but said he should remain um, under court supervision. He was then granted bail and released from police custody. For those of you that didn't know, Khan was once an international cricketer, then a politician, then prime minister. It's almost like a little James Bond. It is now, after being deposed as prime minister uh, by a no-confidence motion last year, become a campaigner against what he describes as a corrupt system involving the Pakistani military and the rest of the country's political parties altogether. In recent months, he has led supporters in a series of mass rallies and mass pr- marches. He has been shot at and wounded. His political supporters have clashed with police. And after his arrest, he's accused the head of the army of harboring a personal grudge against him and ordering his arrest. His arrest has set off protests uh, across the country that threatened to destabilize the nuclear armed nation of 230 million, which I learned is the fifth largest nation in the world. And for the first time in the country's histories, civilian protesters have breached the army's headquarters and pro-con mobs have looted the official residence of the powerful Army Corps commander. At least eight people have died in clashes between protesters and authorities, and his supporters have also launched rallies in London, New York, and Toronto. Uh, so far, neither the coalition government government nor the army, which is widely believed to be calling the shots and has been um, in most of Pakistan's history, show any signs of yielding. In fact, they tried to arrest him earlier this year and then uh, backed off. And neither does Khan. So to the team, you know, uh, Pakistan is slated. It should be calling elections this fall, elections where uh, presumably Khan and his party be very popular. Is the army going to call elections? Is that going to happen? What's going to happen with his arrest? Les, I'm going to take it to you first. Jones, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the immediate future holds for Pakistan. What, what? I know it will be it will be dynamic, entertaining, and ultimately disappointing. Uh, and whatever model we kind of put uh, we we cover Pakistan with uh, ends up not working. And so there's there's an enormous temptation on the part of American policymakers to. Uh, make grand pronouncements about Pakistan, about their failure to do this, that, and the other thing. All of those failures are are accurate, by the way. Uh, Pakistan's a disaster. It's uh, not going well. Imran Khan, a notorious anti-American uh, rhetorician, if nothing else, uh, not not a great guy from our perspective. But I, I think, uh, just try to say this quickly, we have an interest in stability in Pakistan, and we need. I think we need to avoid the temptation to make grand pronouncements. We need to try to get from one day to the next without thing without the lid completely coming off that country. There, as you pointed out, they have a lot of nuclear weapons. They've got an antagonist in India and elsewhere. They're backed by China. One thing we might think about doing long term is uh, putting the onus on China a little bit to own the behavior of its ally here. I think that's something that could be discussed. But I think generally we need to to resist the temptation to make uh, to to try to fit Pakistan into some mold of where we think they should go. Okay, so less is for just waiting and resisting the urge to 
do anything. It sounds like, uh, I don't know, Les. That sounded what it hurt. That's what it sounded like to me. Sort of the Jimmy, standard. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's a standard less thing, right? We should we should be patient. We should standard. be calm. We should be deliberate. We should be cautious. You know, I mean, it's just the Joe Biden, you know, Obama foreign policy. So I get it. It's not it's not unusual, right? I mean, less is with Blinken, um, and that's fine. He can, uh, um, Avril Haines and and Les and, and Anthony Anthony Blinken can agree. Um, but look, I think I think we have got to draw the line with Pakistan, right? This idea that cr- it's shocking that there's corruption in Pakistan. Uh, it's shocking that Imran Khan was accused of corruption. It's shocking the military has control uh, of the government. I mean, let's be serious, right? Pakistan has always been a military with a country, not a country with the military. Um, they have, uh, you know, whatever, 100 plus nuclear weapons. Um, the only reason we play footsie with Pakistan is because uh, we need them for Afghanistan. We need them as a, st- as a strategic balance in the region. Um, and uh, we've thought that the alliance at times works in our interest. And the reality is the alliance has really works in our interest. More often than not, the Pakistanis have played a double game that they have mastered. Uh, they have played us at every turn. Uh, Imran Khan is the latest and worst example. But Shabazz Sharif, you know, the what a, the brother, nephew, cousin, whatever he is of, of Nawaz Sharif, is not that much different. I think the time has come uh, to uh, to really put it to Pakistan and make it clear that we are not putting up with this anymore. Um, and, and I actually think that that bold action is more important here than just waiting and seeing what happens, like it's a prescription from the Obama, Biden, Munson team. I have I have a quick reaction, which is that bold action will fail. Uh, but if we want to try that, I'm I'm open minded. None of it will work or achieve the goals that we want it to achieve. But sure, let's give it a shot. Well, some would argue that, Con, you know, Khan was a little angry that Biden never called him during his first couple of years in office. You know, instead of coming to Biden's first demo- summit for democracy, uh, Khan went over to China for their kind of parallel uh democracy summit as well. And so, you know, he made overtures and maybe the U.S. was busy with other things. The Afghanistan withdrawal, it's kind of dropped off, you know, the priority list. Do you think we've rebuffed them and they're, you know, did we do something wrong? Did we miss some opportunity there? Are we worried about them closing up even more to China? You know, Pakistan is the biggest recipient of China's Belt and Road Initiative. Um, What do we make? You know, we've mentioned China. Do we need to think about it more or is that enough? Look, I'll give you my quick reaction, Jones. Um, Pakistan chooses to to saddle up to to Beijing. That's their decision. They own that. Beijing owns that. We ought to, in the international sphere, we ought to be putting a lot of the onus of what happens in Pakistan on China, frankly. It's not our responsibility that these things have happened. I think we should continue to manage it in a smart way going forward and make sure that this situation doesn't get out of control. But in in the long run, uh, Pakistan is going to make its own decisions about which way it's going to go. It's pretty clear what the United States is offering. It's pretty clear what China's offering. And Pakistan chooses to go with China. There should be consequences for that for China and for Pakistan. Yeah, you, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I was going to say, Jamil, to, like, uh, to, to ask you, Jamil, I mean, China's also courting, China's courting everyone, right? So they're courting India. So are we. I mean, Pakistan and India. I mean, does Pakistan need to get worried? Do they need up their partner game? What do you think? Well, look, I think I think that we need this is an opportunity for us to build a closer alliance with India. Uh, we've been talking about it. We've been we've been working on it for a while. Uh, the Indians, like the Pakistanis, frankly, uh, have been playing us for a long time. Uh, they play this non-aligned movement, um, a card that they've that they've done for decades. Um, and the truth is that they need to realize, too, that there are tough choices in the region uh, between us and China. These are not hard calls. Uh, India should be allied much more closely with us. Um 
And, uh, and we ought to, we ought to make clear to them that we are, we are pushing the Pakistanis off the boat. Um, and, uh, and it's their fault that we're doing so. Um, and that we're joining, we're joining closer to the Indians. Um, but you know, that requires India to be willing to play ball and they haven't really been willing to play ball, even though they're part of the quad, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they haven't really been willing to play ball. And I think, uh, now's the time to put both. Pakistan and India to the test. Awesome. Sorry, audience, that uh, Les wouldn't do Magic 8-Ball and let us know what's going to be the future of Pakistan, but I guess we'll just wait and see. Uh, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agacon from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. We're also on YouTube, so please check us out there. And if you like what you heard or saw, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 